This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Bama Online Podcast, this one on a Monday afternoon, April the 26th, Travis Ryer, and of course, Charlie Potter, staff members there at BamaOnline.com with you once again, and we do so on the heels of a Moderna weekend for our guy, Charlie Potter. Charlie Potter with that second shot of the funky cold Moderna, and he had to play hurt a little bit over the weekend, but uh, as he typically does, he battles through overcomes the adversity and keeps us all very much informed there at BamaOnline.com. I got to say, though, Charlie, I've got shot number two coming up this Saturday, so I'm not playing nothing for Sunday now after after hearing of your your uh, situation. Yeah, um, you know, with it being the week after spring practice and the week before the NFL draft, it, it worked out well for me, even though I think the wife wanted to you know, kind of get out of town and, and do something. But I planned it to where we just had a, a chill weekend at, at home, and uh, I'm glad I did. Um, you know, I had a little bit of a low-grade fever, achy for probably about, I'd say, 18 hours or so, and then bounced back. And if that's all it takes, though, and then I'm, I'm vaccinated, good to go, and, and get out this summer, I'll take it. I will say that I, I know we're, we're going to talk about it because we talked about it before we started recording when Ronald Williams hit the transfer portal, he did interrupt a pretty good nap. So uh, <laughs> he's on the list now. <laughs> Your Moderna siesta was uh, interrupted there by the Ronald Williams news, and we are going to get into that in just a little bit. But what you're talking about is essentially what I've heard from others. My older brother went through similar symptoms, but he's good. He's good. The oldest daughter went through similar symptoms with the Moderna, but uh, – yeah, we're gonna we're gonna troop her troop her along, the wife and I, this weekend. And uh I'm with you. I'm looking forward to getting it done and then uh hopefully being in really good shape moving through the summer months and of course into the twenty twenty one fall and what that means from a football perspective. We'll get into some of that in the program today as well. We're gonna do an all Saban era NFL draft squad, Charlie and myself. We're gonna go back and forth on that kind of amazing we've reached a point where you have multiple multiple selections at pretty much every position across the board especially with the way quarterback has come along here in the last few years so we'll do that coming up on the podcast as well but charlie touched on it and we want to get right into it ronald williams as we confirmed there at bamaonline.com i believe matt zenitz al.com was first to report correct me if i'm wrong on that charlie but uh, the news of Ronald Williams, the junior college transfer from a year ago, deciding to check out the portal, check into the portal, see what it has to present to him. I guess, Charlie, when we talk 
surprise. Uh, there probably wasn't much there considering his class status, even with the free year for COVID, but just the depth at that position and what these guys are all battling for. There's just not, there's not a lot of spots at corner when you've got Josh Job coming back, I guess. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you are right. Zenitz had that first, and my man Zenitz lives for that transfer. <laughs> so, if you I had Zenitz's place is like a three bedroom, two bath with a portal. <laughs> I think yeah. he literally lives in the portal. You think? Yeah, I mean, Zenitz does a great job, but he if does. You had to guess who had transfer portal news first. It's it's probably Zenitz, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Ronald Williams going in there. It's it's not that big of a shock. You know, last year, um, he was a guy I think that many believe would be in the mix, maybe at a corner or at star. And uh, as we know how everything played out, he, he broke his arm in the preseason, you know, missed a few games and then was a reserve the rest of the way. We saw him get in some games later in the 2020 season. And that set him back a little bit. I think that was really unfortunate for Ronald because, you know, hearing from Nick Saban, I, I think I might have asked him about him. Um, after he signed and, you know, he made it a point to mention, you know, when we bring in junior college guys, we expect them to play. And, um, again, the, the arm injury was a, an unfortunate setback for him. And then, yeah, I mean, something we saw really this spring, it was really all over the defensive side of the ball, but especially their corner, which is one of the top, um, openings on this defense is there's a lot of good depth there. You know, Jalen Armour Davis kind of went wire to wire with the first team. Um, we saw guys like Marcus Banks and even the true freshman Jaquincy McKinstry come in and kind of lock down spots with the twos. And when you see a true freshman come in and, and do that, um, you know, that's not great for the guys that have been in the program for a bit. So it's not that big of a surprise. Um, he's a guy that uh, kind of got passed up a little bit just in terms of the pecking order. And there's still guys on, on campus like a Brandon Turnage, Jacquez Robinson, you're going to have another junior college transfer come in in the summer and Kyrie Jackson. You'll have a, the second Devontae Smith come in at the cornerback position. So depth there, competition there is is pretty high right now. And for him to, to move on, especially whenever you have what we expect for the SEC to you know, lift their uh, interconference transfer rules and everything like that. Uh, he's a guy that I think can have a lot of suitors and it, it kind of makes sense for, for him to move on with how the spring kind of played out with him with the threes. I know we saw him with the twos in the eight, eight game, but um, for him to, to do that, it, it doesn't really come as much of a shock. You know, in retrospect, you look at the signing of Ronald Williams, uh, in that 2020 class, and you think, well, what were they thinking there? Well, at the time, uh, they had every reason to think they needed to get older at corner, right? I mean, they were pretty well unproven other than Patrick Sertan the second, uh, and you were also considering the star position, as you talked about earlier in that. That was before Malachi Moore and Brian Branch got on campus, and then you combine that with Williams having the injury in the preseason, and it's a COVID year on top of everything else. So uh, at the time of his evaluation and the decision to bring him in, that absolutely made sense. It's just, again, as we've talked about, the narrow nature of these windows that so many of these guys are trying to navigate to capitalize on their opportunity because at Alabama, Charlie, there's always another another player coming. And if they're not already on campus, as you outlined, the guys that are coming this summer and there's guys like Malachi Moore, Brian Branch nowadays too, that in terms of versatility, they can play corner, they can play safety, they can play star. 
So a guy like Terry and Arnold, even, you know, we talk about him in terms of a safety, but heck, no, it wouldn't surprise me to see this guy get some run and some sub packages as well. It's just, it, it's just uh, the opportunity in the window, right? That that you, it, it's really hard if you don't hit it just right. Yeah, I think what you mentioned with Moore and Branch that makes it even more difficult for a true corner because Malachi Moore and Brian Branch are technically safeties on this roster, and um, you know we've seen Brian Branch. I think he can be just a, a hell of a safety, either free or strong for Alabama in the future. But we've seen him more in the slot and in the box, and that takes away some opportunities for corners. We've seen corners in the past really man that star position. I know maybe of late has gravitated more toward uh, some safeties with guys obviously Minka Fitzpatrick comes to mind when you think about it but Minka is also that that versatile type of player that can play all over the field but it it does make it difficult for the corners which there are more true corners on the roster than safeties and so yeah the the window you're talking about it's it's crazy small so and how many guys how many guys realistically Charlie for what one spot Really, yeah. because we're talking about the star and money. So other with Job in that other spot, realistically, this spring and now going into the summer, how many guys are are actually in that mix for one for one position? Really? I mean, things can change. We know, but it, it seems that's the case. Yeah, I mean, you, you break it down and you have obviously Job returning at the uh, opposite corner spot, but. We saw Jalen Armour Davis with the ones. Marcus Banks and Jaquincy McKinstry, I think, are your top competition. And now without Ronald Williams, you have a Brandon Turnage, a Jacquez Robinson, and you have you know, two corners coming in. So that's a lot of guys. And honestly, mm-hmm. it, with the way that Alabama's roster situation is right now, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe another corner look to go mm-hmm. elsewhere just because they – I'm not – you know, I, I don't like to be the guy. I know it gets asked a lot on the message board of who you think is next to get down to that 85 number. I'm, I'm not going to do that because you know, guys but positionally, it, yeah. It when you just consider numbers, yeah, to do that. So yeah. yeah, when you think about it, um, again, just so many guys. And look, we just saw the spring game. We hear things from spring practice and scrimmages. But if you just saw the spring game, Brandon Turnage can play for somebody, and he's probably the fifth or sixth corner right now. Jacquez Robinson's going to be able to play for somebody pretty soon, I think. And these guys are, you know, they're fifth, sixth corners on this team right now. So, hey, if you're Ronald Williams and you're at this point in his career, especially, I say more power to you. You know, find another place where you can can be a guy because there's a lot of places, I think, Charlie, where Ronald Williams, starting in September of this year, can be a, a starter in the SEC at a lot of places, probably. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the big thing everybody's waiting on is the SEC to announce what they're going to do just in terms of the transfer rule. And you're right. I mean, there are teams in the SEC West that could use him. I think you know he's been linked to, to Mississippi State early on. I'm not predicting that at this point, but that's somewhere where there's maybe some buzz for him. And, you know, it would it would make sense. We've seen guys, you know, leave Tuscaloosa and head, you know, an hour and a half uh, west and 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 yeah. do well for the Bulldogs. So, yeah, I mean, I think that guys like him and, and guys like other corners on this this roster, um, they're just at a point to where there's not a lot of opportunities and, and maybe they see the writing on the wall and with the, the lax on the transfer rule that they might seize that opportunity to go play elsewhere. Yeah, places that need a third corner, too, to play in those sub packages, which 
as we've outlined, Alabama really isn't in that position right now after what they were able to get out of a couple of young players a year ago. We're going to step aside to a quick break and we come back with Charlie Potter. We're going to get into our all Saban era NFL draft team for the Alabama Crimson Tide. That should be a lot of fun. We'll go position by position. We'll get Charlie's thoughts on that and a whole lot more when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is the Bama Online Podcast. We thank you once again for joining us. Travis Ryer, alongside Charlie Potter, longtime staff members, the two of us there at BOL. And Charlie, what we're going to do now is kind of just continue to highlight the tremendous success that Nick Saban has had, not only in terms of championships at the University of Alabama, but as you might expect, is a byproduct of that. A lot of NFL performers since really 2009, I guess. That may be the most amazing stat we're going to throw out in all this, Charlie, is that Following his first season at Alabama, how many draft picks for Alabama in 2008? Zero. <laughs> that's crazy, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it when is. you think about that now, that's nuts. <laughs> it really, like, because I always look at the the media guide because they have it broken down really well. And I always think it's a, a mistake at first glance, you know, whenever <laughs> you're going back and you know charting them or whatever. Then you're like, oh, yeah, there were none that year. How strange <laughs> whenever you go back and just think of the, the run of success they've had since he's been in town. It, it's, it's ludicrous, to be honest. Well, we talked about this before the podcast and kind of how we were going to go about qualifications for picks for this team. And I, I think we agree, Charlie. Obviously, uh, you, you base it on their performance in the National Football League to this point in their respective careers, but also where they went. And maybe in some instances, some guys weren't even drafted. Maybe they were undrafted free agents. That's kind of lost in all this, too, right? For all the draft picks, it's right at 100. It's going to go over 100, isn't it? I think under Nick Saban, the draft picks uh, this weekend, I believe. Um, it should. It is. Yeah, I think it's 96. It according to plan. It right. It should go over maybe in the first round. Um, there have been guys, uh, undrafted free agents from Alabama that have uh, Levi Wallace comes to mind. And speaking of that, let's start. Let's start on defense and let's start at corner. And you go ahead. You give us a guy and then I'll try to come up with one of my own. I think we've got our list here. So uh, give me a corner for this all saving era NFL drafting to get us going, Charlie. Yeah. I mean, I know I kept trying to think of the word value, uh, in, in terms of making these picks, but when I looked at everything I wrote down, I mean, it's just first and second round draft picks. Uh, it is, it's, it's easy to pick multiple players and to go back and forth, but I went with Marlon Humphrey, you know, the, mm-hmm. the 2017 class is going to come up a lot. Uh, on my team, I think. And he was the first guy off the board. And I think that was a, a bit of a surprise because you had guys like Jonathan Allen and OJ Howard and Reuben Foster and Cam Robinson in that, that draft. But Marlon came off the board first to the Ravens at, at pick number 16. And he's a guy that 
he's established himself as one of the best corners in in the league and I don't really know if we foresaw that I think everyone knew that Marlon was talented of course he redshirted his first year at Alabama and left after three years as a redshirt sophomore but he's just seemingly gotten better and better each year he's been in football and now he's at an all-pro level where you know he's a guy that he got a big contract he's a guy that's going to be in the league for a long time and even going at pick number 16 I think he's still a value pick because maybe the 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 Ravens didn't know exactly what they were getting. They saw the potential, but he's lived up to it and then some. That's a solid pick. And you're talking about a guy who has achieved all pro status already uh, during his career. And, and you're right. As a guy that, yeah, he, he went first round, but he wasn't a top 10 pick. He was in those teens. And so uh, I like the pick of Marlon Humphrey. I'm going to go Kareem Jackson and, and kind of similar to Marlon Humphrey in that think he ended up being a, a really nice value as a first rounder because he did go 20th overall in that 2010 draft and it's very interesting at the time because you very much got the sense that Nick Saban wasn't in line with Kareem Jackson's thinking in coming out early uh, after that 2009 national championship season but it worked out great for Kareem he goes first round a long time Houston Texan just solid year in and year out in the AFC South and then what I like about Kareem, and you talk about value, is positionally he was able to make the switch to safety later in his career, most recently with the Denver Broncos. So, uh, you know, if, I, if we wanted to, to go the undrafted route, as we talked about, you could certainly throw Levi Wallace in there. I guess Drake Kirkpatrick would be a guy that you would consider at this point, too, still knocking around the league here uh, with the Arizona Cardinals, spent uh, nearly a decade or so, I guess, with the Cincinnati Bengals. So, I think he's lived up to that first round status, but uh, those are our two corners. I think we'll go with we'll go with Marlon Humphrey and Kareem Jackson. What about the safety position? I think I got a guy in mind. You probably do too. Yeah, I mean, I, I went back and forth. There's two that came to mind, and uh, I think that you probably thought of, of at least one of these, if not both. But I went with Minka again. Like I, I thought of the word value. And then I just thought of what they've done in their career. And I know Minka was drafted by the Dolphins with pick number 11 in 2018. And it didn't really work out there because they were playing him at, you know, it seemed like 20 different spots in that secondary. But once he got traded to the Steelers, you know, he's a guy that I think he's been all pro two times now. Um, He's just a magnet to the football. And, you know, getting the change of scenery and, and playing in the back end of that Steelers secondary you know, Minka has shown, just like Marlon, he's one of the best young defensive players in the league. And uh, I think that's something we foresaw from him, from what he was able to do at Alabama. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, not a top 10 pick. Um, a couple of these that I did pick are. But I, I just think that with Minka, he's a guy that, too, I mean, he what he was able to accomplish at Alabama going into the draft, he was very hyped up and everything like that. But he's lived up to it. And I think – he's going to have just a, a long career and, you know, just be a force for that Steelers defense. And the guy that uh, I was going to choose was going to be Eddie Jackson, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's who you're going to roll with. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to have to go with Eddie Jackson. There's a fourth round pick and to get all pro performance out of him, like the bears did a couple of years ago, he's made a couple of pro bowl pro bowls also. And look, I think even Landon Collins though, you got to consider because, he went first pick of the second round, 
in, in 2015, but uh, you consider the accolades. I mean, he's a three-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro in 2016. Um, gosh, was he the NFC Defensive Player of the Year, I want to say? Uh, just a, a tremendous early run in his career. Um, got the big money, got to that second contract, and you know, I think Landon would certainly qualify as well. But, yeah, I, I mean, for a fourth-round pick to do what Eddie's done to this point in his career, I think it's kind of close to impossible to sort of overlook that. Let's talk about outside linebackers. That one's a little tricky, Charlie. They've had – Alabama's had some guys in the Nick Saban era move on to the National Football League, but they haven't really had yet what I would call that star type of player. And they, they've got some linebackers that have been used on the outside. They've got some versatile guys, you know, like a Dante Hightower that can move around. Um, but what are you thinking there to get us going at outside linebacker? Yeah, I mean, I had Dante written down, but I, I scratched him out because he started out as an outside linebacker, and then they moved him inside, and mm-hmm. um, that just kind of felt like you know you, you, it was almost cheating at that point. But for outside linebacker, I went with more of a an underrated guy, at least from a the NFL standpoint. I went with Ryan Anderson. You know, that t- 2017 draft again. It's it's probably going to come up a few times on this list, but you're going number 49 overall to Washington. He's in New York now. He, he's on his uh, with his second team, but made it to that second contract. And I think he's a guy that he's starting to come into his own. We saw him. We've seen him early in his career play some fullback. But he's a guy that um, you know coming in in that uh, draft class with him and Tim Williams. But he's still he's still around. You know that linebacking class in that 2017 draft with uh, Anderson and Williams and and Reuben Foster. Um, I don't know if we maybe thought that Ron Anderson would be the most successful or the least the most consistent in the league, but he is. And coming in as a, you know, mid second round pick, I think that says a lot for value and, and what he's been able to accomplish. And, you know, now he's up in New York with what seems like a bunch of former Alabama coaches and you know, looking to, to play in a defense with, you know, guys like a, a Reggie Ragland, who's in New York now and, and Xavier McKinney. So, you know, happy for him to get that second contract, get a, get a new landing spot. And, and maybe he can continue to kind of trend upward like he has been of late. Yeah. If we revisit this list in a, maybe even a couple of years, I've got hopes for Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings from last year's draft, both third rounders that potentially between Lewis with the Rams uh, Jennings with the Patriots, you know, maybe uh, one of those guys would be the, the slam dunk choice. I'm going to go with Courtney Upshaw for the time being a second round pick back in 2012. Now, Courtney won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens, so I'm kind of giving him the tiebreaker with that. Uh, but he really grew into more of a, a defensive lineman, I guess, as his career wore on. And I think most recently he's been. Uh, kind of a support staffer over at UAB helping uh, mm-hmm. Nick Gentry with the, the outside linebackers, maybe the pass rush in general with the Blazers. So I'll go, I'll, I'll tip my cap to that 2011 defense and go with Courtney Upshaw. And as we move to inside linebackers, speaking of the 2011 defense, I'm guessing one of the guys from that defense might have a place uh, on this NFL draft team as well. Yeah, I mean, for for me, inside linebacker was probably the hardest one to pick because you know there's there's guys that have been uh, drafted that have had successful careers, but I went with um, maybe it's not really off the beaten path, but he's a guy that like Dante Hightower opted out last year. I went with C.J. Mosley again. Mm-hmm. It's a first round draft pick, 
but you know he was picked at 17 by the Ravens and he had a really strong start to his career in Baltimore and then signed a big contract with the Jets and he couldn't stay healthy he had an opt-out year last year but he's a guy that you know when he's on the field he's a playmaker and you just look at the accolades um you know, he's been voted to the all pro team at least for the second team I think four times he's made four pro bowls um you know he had a great rookie season and when he's on the field and healthy, C.J. Mosley is a force. Alabama fans know that, and that carried over to the NFL. So it was, you know, tough. You you look at guys like Rolando McClain. Um, you know, I think that hopefully we can still see, you know, Ruben Foster do some things at the NFL level. A guy like Reggie Raglan has a, a Super Bowl ring, but for me, just when I think of of inside linebacker and, and consistency, at least early in his career, I went with C.J. Mosley. The area where it hasn't maybe translated as much, uh, one of them in the Saban era, inside linebacker. For Orlando, it started so promisingly with the Oakland Raiders, uh, flamed out pretty quickly from there. Same thing for Ruben in San Francisco. You're still wondering about Rashawn Evans a little bit up in Tennessee. I'm going to go with another 2011 defensive member in Dante you know, that defense, in retrospect, really benefited from some injuries earlier in the careers of a couple of guys, Dante being one of them. Dante doesn't go down with that knee injury in 2008. He ain't around in 2011, or uh, 2009 it was. He went down with the knee injury against Arkansas early in that season. You know, he's three and out after 2010. Uh, but staying around that fourth year really benefited Mark Barron. Mark Barron's kind of a sneaky pick maybe for inside linebacker because he sort of moved to like a weak side linebacker during the course of his career. But I like uh, I like CJ and Dante. I think those are a couple guys that are difficult to go against. What about defensive line? We'll just do one defensive lineman apiece. What about it, Charlie? Give me one. Yeah, I, I wanted to pick the the two guys that were number three overall picks and Marcel Darius and uh, Quinnen Williams. But I think this one, I, I really kind of looked at value. And there's some guys that have maybe slipped a little bit in the draft. Um, I know there's a couple guys that were in the green room and had to, to wait till the second day of the draft. And one of those I went with and, and Jaron Reed, because I think up in Seattle, um, you know, he's a guy that was again consistent um i think he has 22 career sacks as an interior lineman and that i think says a lot and now he's with the kansas city chiefs and has a chance to you know go and, and win a super bowl and uh, i think he can be a big addition for that defense but you know he's a guy of course he only spent a couple of years at alabama as a transfer but was a big part of that um you know those defenses before he turned pro uh helped alabama win a championship in, in 2015 and you know, he's a guy that um Again, he's just been consistent, and as an interior lineman, to be able to put up the numbers he has, he's just been disruptive uh, at the next level. And, and he's one of those guys. You know, we we talked about, uh, or we talk about it all the time. Those earlier defenses that were scoring, you know, not offensive touchdowns, but he's a guy that kind of you know was at the forefront of the trend of getting those big paws up and getting pass deflections, and that's carried over to the next level too. So I went with Jaron Reed. I think there's a bunch you can go with, but. I tried not to pick the, the the two number three picks overall. No, Jaron Reed would be my first guy for the reasons that you said. He's, you know, for where he went and the sort of steady presence that he was for the Seattle Seahawks and now looking to maybe win a Super Bowl ring or have a better shot. He's played with two. He's going to have played with two pretty good quarterbacks 
um, I would say during the course of his career, but no, I like the Jaron Reed pick a ton. Um, again, based on where he went in that 2016 draft, you know, you're still kind of waiting, aren't you? Uh, for some of these other defensive linemen, you're, you're still waiting a little bit for Duran and, uh, Jonathan Allen. They've done some good things up in Washington, DC. Same thing with Quinnen Williams, uh, there in New York with the jets, but, I guess if I've got to take one, uh, I'm still going to go Marcel Darius. I, I know that he went high, high, what, third overall? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure he ever fulfilled that, but he was a longtime significant contributor. That's probably some of my Jacksonville Jag that's showing. Because <laughs> in 17, when the Jags got him, man, he was so he was such an integral piece to what they called Saxonville back then. Uh, and he really helped that team and that defense get over the hump and just kind of a Marcel Darius homer. Uh, I would think in a couple of years, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, uh, Quinnen, you know, some of the guys that are in the pipeline are going to be picks for this. But I like uh, I like to pick the, the two big dudes for sure, Marcel and, and, and Jaron Reed. I'd feel pretty good about uh, your run defense, no doubt about that. Offensive side of the ball, Charlie. Let's start at offensive tackle over there. Give me an offensive tackle for this all Saban era NFL draft team. Yeah, there's several tackles to, to pick from. And uh, I think it's kind of similar to the inside linebacker positions where they had a lot of guys, but, you know, maybe they haven't been there. They start their careers, um, you know, with, as a, as a starter on the offensive line, and then they kind of move to reserves. You know, you look at a guy like Andre Smith, who, uh, I believe is still listed on the the Ravens roster, but um, you know he he was a guy that was drafted in 2009. So longevity is tough not to pick him. Uh, but I went with a guy that um, is is still in the starting lineup, and you know he's still in the picture for a team that's going to be drafted number one overall. It's near and dear to your heart, and I went with Cam Robinson. Um, and again, it, it kind of went back to I tried to to go with guys that you can pick or you can look at the value and say, okay, they have maybe played up to or passed their potential. I don't think Cam Robinson's necessarily played at a pro bowl level or anything like that, but he's a guy that slipped that second round. Uh, he was drafted early in the, the second round. What was it? Pick 34 in that 2017 draft. And, you know, I know he, he didn't get a, a big second contract, but he got a franchise tag and he's going to get paid pretty handsomely this season. And I think, you know, with the Jags bringing in a guy like Trevor Lawrence in this upcoming draft, um, it's a chance for, for Cam to, to prove his worth and, and maybe get to a big contract. So offensive tackle, you know, guys like Fluker, um, and we, we don't really know what Jonah Williams will, will be yet, but there's there's guys to pick from. But I just think in terms of value and, and maybe consistency, it was tough not to pick big Cam. Yeah, you're right. It's been up and down for him. Some of that has had to do with injury. Uh, his second year in the league, and it's taken a little while to get back from that. His rookie season in Jacksonville was his best to this point. And, you know, in a contract year, under a franchise tag, I got to think we're going to see the best that Cam Robinson has to offer in 2021. I know Trevor Lawrence is certainly going to hope that's the case. And so with the other tackle, I'll go back to Andre Smith, seven-year starter in Cincinnati, what, 13 years now in the league. Um you know, I'll, I'll go big Andre. He's been able to hang around. You're right, too, about the tackles that have come out of Alabama. Some of them first rounders that were really guards. 
you know, well into their, their NFL careers like DJ Fluker now with the Miami Dolphins. And, and uh, one of the guys we'll talk about next, maybe at the offensive guard center positions, James Carpenter, a first round pick in 2011. That's what he became very quickly in the NFL was a interior offensive lineman. But for now we go Andre and big cam at the tackles. So let's talk guard center one each there at those interior spots. Uh, who you got there, Charlie? Yeah, I went with, if, if we're picking one player, uh, I went with Ryan Kelly. Um, again, I've, I've mentioned consistently probably at an annoying pace during this, but he is the model of that. You know, Ryan Kelly is a guy that has come in and, and anchored a really, really good Indianapolis Colts offensive line. Uh, he's a guy that was picked with the 18th overall pick in the, the 2016 draft. And, you know, he's he was the lone first round pick of, of that draft class. And that's the class with uh, Jaron Reed, who we are already named, a guy like Derrick Henry, who I'm sure is going to be mentioned later. Um, and so I think that says a lot about Ryan Kelly and his, his value. And uh, he's a guy that's been on a couple of uh, all pro teams. You know, he's a guy that has you know, made some pro bowls and you know, been really a fixture on that offensive line. So uh, if I'm picking just one interior lineman, uh, that one was one of the first ones I jotted down because it really wasn't a hesitation for me, regardless of where he was picked. I think Ryan Kelly has uh, lived up to, to what he was built at going into the draft. And he's a guy that's going to have a, a long and successful NFL career. Hey, you talk guard center combos, Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly. Uh, they they come to mind pretty quickly up there with the Indianapolis Colts and you know Ryan Kelly. We talk about this amazing run of consecutive years with first round picks for Alabama. I think it's twelve straight years now with a first round pick. Ryan Kelly in 2016 was Alabama's lone first round pick. There were a couple of years there back to back where. Amari Cooper went first round in 15 and then Ryan Kelly in 2016. And that's how you were able to keep this streak going with a couple of those guys. And Ryan was one of them. My interior choice, I will go with, I'm going to go back to James Carpenter. He's just been the consummate pro again, drafted as a tackle in the 2011 draft. I think that one caught a lot of people by surprise because it was at a point in the mid-20s of that first round where all the focus in terms of the Alabama contingent that year was on Mark Ingram. I mean, even Nick Saban there at the draft that year is kind of thinking he's about to head over and congratulate Mark Ingram. And here comes the pick for James Carpenter to the Seattle Seahawks. And they flashed to Nick Saban, and the look on his face was like, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> he was happy just the same because he likes to rack up those first-rounders, but – yeah, James Carpenter's been a real pro. Antoine Caldwell would get some mention, too, for me. Third-round pick back in the day of the Houston Texans. Made, I think, close to 20 NFL starts. But, yeah, we'll just go Kelly and uh, Kelly and Carpenter there on the interior. Let's go outside to the wide receiver position. It's been interesting here in the last 12 to 15 hours or so because rumblings of a potential trade involving Julio Jones from the Atlanta Falcons. Kind of Falcons, kind of difficult to fathom. Charlie, but when you consider what the Falcons gave up to move up to get Julio back in the 2000, I guess, 11 NFL draft, uh, it still seems like they got great value, I guess, with Julio. Yeah, I will say before moving on to the wide receiver position, if I was picking the best value pick at those interior offensive line spots, 
Uh, after Ryan Kelly, my next pick was going to be Bradley Bozeman going into. Yes, six. that's a good he's one. Been, he has been um, just kind of a force for them up front. Uh, he's played guard and center. So I think yeah. Bradley Bozeman at least needed to be mentioned. But wide receiver wise, yeah, I mean, it's tough not to pick a first round pick <laughs> in this. At least guys that have panned out in the NFL because all of these guys, whether it's uh, a Calvin Ridley and Amari Cooper, um, you know, we, we now have uh, Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs to choose from. But, I mean, when you think of the wide receiver position, I know you noted what the Falcons gave up to, to move up to take Julio. It, it hasn't really mattered because he's been everything they could have hoped for and more. Uh, and to hear that they're potentially thinking about trading him uh, kind of just says to me that they're looking to, to rebuild and, and just blow the thing up, in my opinion. Um, you know, they're picking in the top five of the draft. Maybe they go quarterback and, um, you know, look to just retool everything. But, you know, Julio Jones, I mean, he's going to be a guy that's going to uh, be in Canton one day as a, a Hall of Famer. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough not to pick another receiver from Alabama just in terms of a, a all-NFL draft team and not pick Julio Jones. Yeah, if you're if you're moving Julio, you're either, like you said, blowing it up with a new coach a new, new really front office, everything else, and saying we're gonna we're gonna hitch our wagon to our guy post Matt Ryan. Are you thinking maybe Matt Ryan's got a few more miles on the tires, and we get a Kyle Pitts to go with a guy that's still gonna be there from the University of Alabama? Who I'm going to I'm gonna give the nod here, even over Amari Cooper, because. I think C. Rid still has that type of potential as a number one receiver, but also as a late first rounder. They got him with the 26 overall pick in the 2018 draft. So I'll go with another Falcon there, Calvin Ridley, maybe in a bit of an upset, Charlie, over Amari Cooper. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, um, you know, Cooper went fourth overall. I mean, he's the highest uh, drafted receiver of the Saban era, even ahead of Julio, who went number six. And, you know, Amari played really well. I think he's, you know, proven himself with the Cowboys now. And I think he's a guy that's a top 10, top 15 receiver. But I think Ridley, you just see the upside. He seems to, again, he's like some of these guys we've already mentioned, guys like those young defensive backs up in the NFC or the AFC North. Uh, He seems to get better every year he's in the league. And uh, I do like the pick of Calvin Ridley. It, it's, you know, at this point, we could do this next year and the list of receivers is going to continue to yeah. grow. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, with with those three, though, Julio, Calvin, and Amari, you, you can't really go wrong. I mean, those guys are, again, they're the top 20 at their position, all three of them. Yeah, that'll work with those three and 11 personnel. Hey, uh, tight end, not a lot of guys to choose from, but – I'd say there's some quality there at the top of the heap. Yeah, and you know, I, I initially wrote down OJ Howard, but I marked him out and put Irv Smith because again, we're talking about that um value and he's a guy that was picked in the letter portion of the second round going to Minnesota and he had kind of a quiet start to his career, but now you see this offseason Kyle Rudolph's gone, the the Vikings starter and he's at the top of that depth chart now. And uh for an offense that has guys like Adam Thielen and uh, now Justin Jefferson. You know, he can be that that third option in an offense that you know I think people still want to see something from Kirk Cousins. They have the Dalvin Cook, but um, I think Irv Smith can can have a really good uh, season. You know, this fall for the Vikings, and so 
the looking at the Buccaneers, they return, which is unbelievable to say, all 22 starters from last year's team that won a Super Bowl, and that doesn't include O.J. Howard. Now, I know that Gronk, you know, the the tread on those tires probably don't have a lot left, and <laughs> O.J. can come in and provide something else for uh, Tom Brady, but he was obviously affected by that Achilles injury. And uh, I, I just went, in terms of value, a guy that now is going to be kind of the guy at that position up in Minnesota. So it was for me at tight end, it was a coin toss, but I, I landed on Irv Smith. Yeah, it's Irv or OJ, uh, regardless of how you go there. Now, OJ was a top 20 pick. So um, you, you hated it for him last season because you get a very tight end friendly quarterback down there in Tampa, as we know by the name of Tom Brady. And you had the injury to OJ Howard, Michael Williams, I'd say decent value, Kind of a guy who bounced around between tight end and offensive tackle. Um, now the head football coach at Pickens County there in Reform in mm-hmm. uh, the greater Tuscaloosa area. So, uh, but yeah, Irvin OJ, you would think there at the top. Running back. Speaking of positional value, I think uh, I think there's one guy that stands out in that regard when you talk about checking all those boxes as far as production in terms of where the team was able to get him. Uh, there's some good backs that we can talk about in the Nick Saban era that have moved on to the National Football League, but there's, I'm guessing you've got one at the very top of your list. Yeah, I'm glad you're a gentleman and let me go first. First time I've ever been referred to that publicly <laughs> as that. There you go. Yeah, I appreciate right. that. Thanks, Charlie. Right. It's on I right. recorded that. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I got, let's see, at 4012 on the podcast. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, right. we're good. But yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry, um, the guy's just, he's an animal. Um, I know there were some questions going into the draft just because he had a lot of tread on his tires. He's a bigger back, but he's just proven time and time again that he's a freak of nature. And going uh, with the 45th overall pick in that 2016 draft uh, to the Titans, hell of a lot of value there. And uh, he's a guy that's coming off a 2,000-yard season one of only a handful of guys to ever do it and he just seems like he does it effortlessly and um yeah i mean looking at the running back position there's several guys to pick from you know this is maybe the the one where it's it, it could be up for debate if a guy like derrick henry weren't in the the conversation you could go a bunch of different ways but yeah if, if you have the first pick like me i mean it's tough not to pick 22 up there in nashville I'm thinking as much as Mark Ingram has been so prominent in terms of personality and production as an NFL player between New Orleans and uh, and Baltimore and and I guess on the move once again now for for Mark Ingram. But uh, I'm thinking when you combine value into the mix, people don't remember it was it was a tight window, okay. And, and Eddie Lacy probably didn't get everything out of it that he should have or could have. But as the 61st overall pick in 2013 for the Green Bay Packers, uh, had some really, really nice production there for, again, not, not an elongated period of time. Um, and then I'm also thinking Josh Jacobs, too. Uh, I think Lacy and Jacobs both have made Pro Bowls. Uh, you know, Mark Ingram, you're talking about a three-time Pro Bowler. So it's tough for me between those three. I guess you could get into Kenyon Drake a little mm-hmm. bit there. Um, 
but I'm going to go Josh Jacobs with the promise of many more good years to come. Although with the running back position, it's documented and talked about time and time again, how, you know, four or five years, you get to the sixth year, it, it goes pretty quickly. And the thing I worry about with Josh, maybe as much as anything else is how he plays the game. I mean, he is so physical and uh, doesn't back down. And, um, but I'll go with Josh for now, Charlie, to go along with uh, Derrick Henry. What do you think of that one? Yeah, I like it. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs is a bowling ball, and I will be fascinated to see this fall just what he and Kenyon Drake do on the same team now. Now that mm-hmm. Drake's moved from the Cardinals to the Raiders with his third team, but yeah, I mean, I, I like that you mentioned Eddie Lacy. I think you know he gets forgotten sometimes just because he's been out of the league for a few years now, and you know let his um, you know weight balloon up. But there for a while, I mean, he was he was fun to watch in Green Bay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you could literally name what four or five guys and I don't think anybody would have any arguments there, but I think that's one of the positions, um, Alabama has seen the most success and consistent success from, uh, in the NFL is the, the running back position. I think they're going to have another one, you know, following those same footsteps in a, in the, in the week. Yeah. First two years in green Bay, Eddie Lacy, uh, 1100 yard seasons in 2013, 2014, 20 rushing touchdowns between those two seasons. Uh, 2014 was really good. And then, uh, it just started to drop off for him. I think he had some injury issues too, but you said it just probably not doing everything he needed to do to take care of himself. Uh, and so it was, it was rather brief for Eddie Lacy there in the national football league, but he was hell when he was well. There's no doubt about that. Quarterback, we've talked about as sort of being a position of growth when considering an all Saban era uh, NFL draft team. Is it still A.J. McCarron, in your opinion, as a fifth rounder in 2014? Still in the league, still cashing checks, Charlie. Are you going to ride with one of these younger quarterbacks and perhaps thinking about the bigger picture and, and maybe some of that happening as soon as 2021? I'm going to roll with Tua, um, and I think it's just because I feel like people just forget what Tua can do, and I don't think Tua played bad this past season. He just doesn't have a lot of help around him, and he is also still coming off of that hip injury. I think this year he's going to open up a lot of eyes, and hopefully the Dolphins with a couple of first-round picks can get him some help. I know a popular pick for for them is to see um, you know Jamar Chase you know go there from LSU. If not, then you know, a guy like Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith is, is there for the taking. And, and maybe they look at a guy like Najee Harris with their uh, second pick in the first round. Who knows? But um, I think Tua, if if they can continue to get help around him, can be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And he's just going to continue to recover from that uh, hip injury. And again, it's just he's a guy that had it not been for the injury, could have been the number one overall pick. Um, I know Joe Burrow had a hell of a season, but for the Dolphins to be tanking for Tua for what seemed like three years as soon as he stepped on campus and to get him at number five still, um, great value there. And I think his best football is still ahead of him. If he can stay healthy, you know, Tua is a, a relentless worker. He's extremely talented. They get some help around him. They can get a, a good thing going down in Miami because they've got a good defense. They just need to get him some weapons and some help on the offensive line. Maybe big DJ Fluker can help them do that because he signed with them, like you alluded to earlier, 
as a free agent. But uh, I, I'd still think Tua you know, is the best Alabama quarterback in the NFL right now, and hopefully he can stay healthy and continue to prove that. Uh, all right. Well, how about AJ as Tua's backup? That would make sense, right? Because yeah. that's what AJ's been throughout his career. Although I will say this for AJ, he should have a playoff win to his credit. You know, he stepped in for Andy Dalton, I guess it was five or six years ago, and injured Andy Dalton and should have a playoff win over the Philadelphia, uh, excuse me, the Pittsburgh Steelers controversial loss for the Bengals in that one. What about a specialist, Charlie? Do you have a specialist in mind for this uh, all saving era draft team? Maybe a return guy, maybe a kicker, a punter. Well, no kickers, as we know, but maybe a punter, I guess you could you could go there. I'd probably go with J.K. Scott. Um, you know, I don't want him tackling anybody because he's shown he can't do that. Uh, but I mean, you know, J.K. Still, he's still got the leg. I think you know Alabama fans would love to see J.K. Scott come back to Tuscaloosa for one more year. So if I had had to pick a specialist, just because he's a guy that you know he stepped in and and been the starter and, and been pretty consistent uh, throughout his career, I'd, I'd probably go with Mr. Scott there. What about you? You know, it's got to be J.K. because, first of all, it helps that he was actually drafted. You know, Um, that's tough to do as a punter or kicker, as you know. And, uh, you know, some undrafted guys, Carson Tinker, you'd get some love for him as a long snapper. Uh, Cole Mazza, I guess, is uh, banged around in the league as as an undrafted guy. Um, But, yeah, I guess uh, I guess it's J.K. And that's. uh, that's pretty much it there for the specialist category. Anything else, Charlie, that we missed in this all Saban era draft team, you think, or do you think we got it? I think we covered it pretty well. Um, you know, I think, you know, we, there's some defensive backs. That one was pretty tough to, to pick, even though I think Marlon Humphrey and, and Minka again are two of the best young defensive players in the NFL. But um, you know, it goes to show that Alabama's had a ton of players pick, but, you know, the NFL's it's a tough league and uh the best the best have been consistent and had long careers but everybody hasn't panned out i mean i'm not i'm not buying into the bama bus bs but um i do think that it goes to show that you know it's tough guys have to stay healthy they have to be smart and um you know i think a lot of the guys that we mentioned have done that and i, I think it's a really good team enjoyed it man that was one of the fun ones that we've done here on the podcast and Always appreciate your contributions both here and at BamaOnline.com. Glad the Moderna second shot recovery came off with relatively uh, hitchless ease. Uh, we'll see how mine goes this coming weekend. We'll we'll have a full report. We know our listeners are just literally <laughs> hanging on the edges of their seat for that one. All right, Charlie. Appreciate it as always, my man. We'll do it again soon. All right, man. It's always good to catch up. Yep, Charlie Potter. I'm Travis Schreier. Again, if you haven't subscribed to the Bama Online Podcast, you need to do it right now. Easy as a click or two. It's free, man. And ladies, you need to do that. The Bama Online Podcast. Leave a rating and a review while you're there. We greatly appreciate that as well. For Charlie Potter, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again. We'll talk to you again real soon when the Bama Online Podcast returns. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.